book of Acts tells us about the very first Christians. They got filled with God's spirit and were devoted. Devoted in prayer, devoted to one another, and devoted to God in baptism. Because of their passion, there was a chain reaction across the globe. Thousands, then millions, then billions of people met Jesus the King. But what about now? Are we devoted like that? Or have we become apathetic? Do we care like they did? Pray like they did? Love like they did? Do we sacrifice like they did? First Christians were devoted. What would happen if we were devoted too? Chloe, um, if I've not met you before, do come and say hi to me. Um, it would be great to get to know you a bit. I'm usually part of the Metro welcome team, but every now and again, get up on stage and do this bit. Um, as you can see from that amazing sting, we are on our new series this week called Devoted. So straight away, I thought I'm going to make my life easy. I'm going to throw it back to you guys. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, what are you devoted to? Go for it. Okay, great. Um, anyone feeling brave and want to just quickly feedback? What did you say you were devoted to or someone next to you said they were devoted to? Shout them out. EastEnders. EastEnders, yep, solid choice. Any others? Great, yeah, some good suggestions. Actually, you know what? I found that question for myself quite hard because we don't really tend to use devoted very much, right? Because devoted is more than just a like, more than a I appreciate this thing. Um, devoted... If someone's devoted to something, they often shape their entire life around that thing. Their actions show what they are devoted to. Um, the decisions they make show what they are devoted to, how they spend their time, their money, the things they talk about. Um, now, at Metro, um, I've been here, I think, almost three years now, which in Metro years is like 80. Um, if you've been here as long as me, or if you're brand new, we thought right now would be a great time for us to look at a church. Okay, what are we devoted to? What are we centering ourselves around? We're going to ask, okay, what are we devoted to? Why are we devoted to it? And how does what we're devoted to shape what we do as community? So, okay, Metro, um, what are we about? Um, you might instantly think, okay, well, we get some good songs, um, we get a talk, um, we get donuts, free parking, sometimes snazzy lights and like those um, dry ice machines and that kind of thing, which is all great. We do love a bit of that, but it's not really what we're trying to be devoted to. It's not what we're trying to centre ourselves around. In fact, at Metro, we have a vision um, and it's on the back of our T-shirt and it flashes up before we start each day um, on a Sunday. And it looks like this. It says that as a church, we exist to help people find Jesus love one another, then follow Jesus' ways and teachings and serve the city around us. So it's short, it's snappy, it's got nice icons to boot, it fits on our t-shirt. Um, and if you get talking to Philip about this, he gets quite excited about it. In fact, I think he's quite proud of this one. Um, in fact, 
I remember the last conversation I had with him about it. Um, he was so proud about it because other churches had started adopting this as well. They're like, yeah, they're talking about find love, follow serve. Um, now, Philip, uh, you've been slightly rumbled, my friend. Um, I've discovered that actually uh, this isn't your original idea. In fact, it, it's not even something you've copied from a church this century. This is from the first church. If we went right back to the beginning and looked at the original church you can bring your friend to, this is what they were doing. And now, as I said, we're going to be looking at this series called Devoted. And to look at this, to look at the original church you could bring your friend to, we're going to be looking at a book of the Bible called Acts. Um, and because we're going to be devoting three weeks to it, I thought, well, actually, it would be good for us to know where Acts sits in our Bible narrative. So bear with me a sec, quick catch up. Before Acts, we've got four Gospels. So we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they all talk about Jesus's life. They talk about his birth, they talk about his ministry, so that's the kind of things he did, the people he talked to, the miracles that happened, and his death, resurrection, and then him going back up to heaven to be with God. Um, and Acts then sit after that bit. And you'd think actually it might be a bit of an anticlimax. It's really not, it's a really good book, you've got a bit of time, give it a read. In fact, Acts is like a spin-off show, um, where we've lost the main character, but we've got a lot of the similar characters, but the situation has changed slightly. But unlike a lot of spin-off shows, Acts is a particularly good one. Um, and we've got the, um, the guys who had followed Jesus around, um, and for them, having met with Jesus, having seen what he'd done, life was never going to be the same again. And here we have an act, this narrative of these guys gathering, regrouping, praising God for what had gone on already, and then going, okay, well... Uh, we're going to wait, because Jesus had told them that this revolutionary kingdom and rule and reign that God was bringing in through him, well, it wasn't going to stop with Jesus going back up to heaven again. In fact, this was going to continue and then some through them. This was going to be the world-changing mission that he had promised. But yet, Jesus had told them to wait, to wait from power from on high. In Acts 2, where we're going to pick up today, um, we see this incredible narrative of how the Holy Spirit comes along God's follow on Jesus' followers. Um, and when the Holy Spirit comes, it empowers them, it puts courage in them, and it equips them. And we have this character, Peter, who we again have met before in the Gospels. He was one of the guys that hung around with Jesus. Um, now, I love Peter. I really associate with the guy. Um, he was the one that often asked the stupid questions and did the stupid things. <laughs> um, he was the one that um, wasn't particularly confident to get up and tell people about Jesus. In fact, quite the opposite. When Jesus was on the cross, Peter was the one that denied that he even knew the guy. Um, and here we have this account of Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit and suddenly getting up and telling thousands and thousands of people about Jesus, about what Jesus had done. Not only does he do this, but he gives out an invitation. He says, hey, you guys, anyone here want to respond to this message, want to come to know Jesus and come into a relationship with God the Father? And if I were Peter, if this was my first evangelistic message, and I did the whole kind of, oh, does anyone want to give the life to Jesus, put your hand up, sort of, I'd be quite sheepish about it, I think. Um, I would be happy with one, okay? I would be so happy that one person had given their life to Jesus. But this isn't quite what happened to Peter. And we're going to pick the passage up from here today. So let's take a look. So this is what happens. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Not one, not two, not 100, 3,000. 
3,000, that's some talk. Philip, you've got some going to do there. 3,000 people responded to that message, okay? And that's pretty sharp church growth. Can you imagine the like, weekly attendance bar charts be like 100-ish? 3,000, that's pretty crazy. And these guys, they went from... These 3,000 people said, yeah, we want to accept Jesus in our life, and we want to be baptized to show that our ways have changed as a symbol of that. And they were added to this early Jerusalem Christian community. And in this Christian community, we've got, it was inner city. Um, it had rapid church growth. It had a lot of new Christians in it. It was new. Um, kind of sounds a bit familiar, right? I think this is pretty much a first century metro. They were in a city too. Um, it's slightly bigger than us, but we're going to get there. Um, first century metro, okay? Um, and I like to think that um, they gather around and they go, okay, guys, what are we going to be about? What is going to be shaping us as a community? And they get their flip slate board out and they go, right, okay, uh, what are our visions and aims? What are we going to be devoted to? And the writer goes on to describe what the resulting community looked like. And it looked like this. It said, the fellowship of the believers, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe of the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. Sounds pretty great, right? But do you know what? Find, love, follow, serve is in there. Philip has borrowed the idea for them. Now, admittedly, they could have done with a bit of the Philip magic. That doesn't really roll off the tongue, does it? But if we put it into our find, love, follow, serve little icons, we can see that they too existed for the same reasons that we exist. So let's take a look at that now. So first, they existed to help people find Jesus. We're told that those who accepted his message were baptized. That was Peter's message. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Um, this is really important to us too. We love doing things like Alpha. We love telling our friends about Jesus. We love seeing people get baptized um, as a symbol of, of their commitment to Jesus. Um, and in a couple of weeks' time, um, we're going to be chatting about baptism. The next thing that they were existing for is to help people love one another. So we're told that all the believers were together and had everything in common. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Um, right from the get-go, these guys got that community, it was pretty important. They gathered together, they tried to spur each other on, encourage one another, challenge one another. Um, and next week, Kate is coming to talk to us about the idea of community that the early church had and what we can learn from it. So we at Metro, we also exist to help each other follow Jesus' ways of doing things. And we can see again that first century Metro, they were doing the same. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, if you're going, what was the apostles' teaching? Well, it was Jesus' teaching and the guys who went around with Jesus. Because what better way of learning how to follow Jesus than by, you know, hearing from the guys that literally followed Jesus around. The guys that saw him eating, sleeping, drinking, walking, chatting with people, the miracles that he did, the, the way he talked with Father God. It's pretty incredible, right? They learned from them. And next, this church existed to help serve the city, um, just like we do. Um, they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
And again, from the very beginning, this community was marked by radical generosity. Um, not just, you know, oh, I'm just going to give a little bit. They, like, radically, they were giving everything away. They were really um, putting their all into the communities around them, desiring them to see change there. Um, now, what's interesting is that the writer goes on to actually talk about what the impact of this finding, loving, following, and serving was. And it's like this really small little sentence that he pops right on the end of this passage. Um, now, despite it being a small sentence, it really does pack a punch. So let's take a look. He says the impact of this was, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Daily. The Lord added to their number daily. That's pretty impressive, right? I think what's really cool is that this finding, helping people find Jesus, loving one another, following Jesus' ways of doing things and serving their city, well, it led to more people finding Jesus, loving, following, serving, more finding, loving, following, serving. You get the gist. And with this community of new Christians... With this really early church, you could expect them to want to like, take a bit of a step back. You, you know what, guys? We've had a lot of change recently. We just had all these guys join us. We're going to commit um, to supporting one another and building each other up. And they absolutely did. But, but really, this church was so outward-focused right from the get-go. They didn't go, oh, you know what? This is, this is my personal faith. This is my truth. They got how good the message of Jesus was. And they got that they needed to spread it like wildfire because this had world-changing power. The community existed not for its own sake. Yeah, sure, it was there to build each other up and support each other. But really, it was there more for the sake of those who weren't part of it. What a weird community that is. They were there more for those who, who weren't part of them because they got that they were going to be the primary means for extending God's kingdom in that place. Um, and next week, Kate is going to come up and she's going to be looking at, okay, how did these guys do community and what can that teach us? Um, this week, we're going to be focusing in on the follow bit, particularly the devoted to prayer stuff. Now, you might be sat here today and you might go, you know what, yep, Chloe, I am devoted to prayer. There's probably more of us here today that don't feel quite like that. In fact, maybe you're someone that you only really pray when you've got a problem. It's like a, help, God, help me. Or um, maybe you're someone and you've tried praying, but you feel like it doesn't really work, so disappointment's kind of set in. Or you've never tried praying because you're not quite sure what to say. Or you're keen, but you just kind of forget. Um, as Christians, we believe that prayer is just simply intentional communication with a living God who loves us. Um, just like we build a relationship with any of our friends and family by communicating, we want to be people who communicate and build relationship with God. But it's not a matter of nice words or candles or a special place, but it's just about offering him how we're doing and having a chat. Um, but it's not just about building relationship, because prayer is incredibly powerful. In fact, the Bible tells us that prayer is the most powerful tool that we have as Christians for effecting change. We're talking, to the, we're talking to the God who made the universe, the God who is the God of the impossible. But we can have this head knowledge, can't we, that, oh yeah, actually prayer, you know, it builds relationship, and prayer, it's powerful. But we can still really struggle with it. I think what's really like heartwarming is that actually the guys who followed Jesus around, they really struggled with it too. In fact, one of the big questions they asked Jesus was, Jesus, teach us how to pray. 
And Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer, which a lot of us all sort of know vaguely or be quite familiar with, which was a model of showing them how they could be praying. Now, we're not, we haven't got time to go into all the ins and outs of what that prayer model looked like, how we pray and when we pray and what kinds of prayer there are. Um, but I'm just going to signpost you right now to some really great resources out there. Um, I'll make sure I put it on the online bit under the discussion section. So if you want to find it later, go and click on that. Philip has done some amazing resources around the Lord's Prayer with some great discussion notes about different types of prayer. Um, there's also some really good videos that are free online called The Prayer Course by a guy called Pete Gregg that talks through all the different types of prayer and can really encourage you guys to get praying. So definitely go and check that out. Um, Now today we're not so much talking about prayer as we're talking about devoted to prayer because it doesn't say in the passage, and they prayed as like a one-off thing. It says that they were devoted to it. That's quite a large difference, right? I, I was thinking that if someone came up to me and said, oh, hey, Chloe, yeah, no, um, I, um, I like cars, I like Mercedes, I'd be like, yeah, you know, you appreciate a good Mercedes. Um, but if someone says, I am devoted to Mercedes, you instantly know that actually their favourite clothes are probably their Mercedes tracksuits. Um, they have all the Mercedes paraphernalia. Their house is covered in Mercedes goods. Um, and if they talk to you, they're probably going to talk about Mercedes, you're quite, yeah, Mercedes, it's going to be a Mercedes car. And there's quite a large gap between just doing something and being devoted to it. So when we hear devoted to prayer, we probably only think of nuns, right? Nuns are devoted to prayer. Because the problem with the word devoted is, at least in my mind, the only thing that sprung to mind when I heard the title of this talk, well, it was the song from Greece, um, which suggests that in 2018, we really don't use that word very much. Um, When we go back to the original text, um, the word devoted in Greek, it meant like being busy with something or persisting with something despite difficulties. Um, And that's, that's, you know, kind of interesting. It's a nice thought, um, keeping going with something. But actually, for the early church, it wasn't just a nice thought. This was actually something that they did. They kept on going with praying. The more we read Acts, the more we realize that They really were shaped around praying. When times were good, when times were really not so good, they kept on praying. And bit of a prediction here, but if they're devoted to prayer and they're outward focused as a community and they're seeing like people added to their number daily, I'm going to hazard a guess that at least in part, one thing they were praying about was for the people around them to come to know Jesus. They were praying for other people. And again, I was thinking, well, you know what? Like, how did they get so inspired to be devoted to praying for other people? Like, not as a one-off thing, but as a constant part of who they were. What inspired them to be devoted to prayer for others? And then what can that mean for us in the here and now to be devoted for praying for others? Now, as you can see, as much as it's not a short and sharp, snappy vision version like we've got, find, love, follow, serve, um, it's not a long passage that tells us what they were like, but it has got some amazing keys in there that can show us how we, as 21st century Metro, can also be devoted to praying for others. Now, the first thing is um, that they knew their role. Everyone say role. Role. Great. That wasn't very enthusiastic. And again, role. Much better, great. They knew their role. Um, So they've got this great role model in that a lot of the guys who had started this church had literally followed Jesus around. They were using Jesus as their role model. They'd seen the way Jesus taught with his Father God. They'd seen the way that prayer changed lives. They'd seen Jesus pray for people and be healed, pray for people and be released from long-term problems. 
They knew the power of prayer. And they knew they couldn't just keep this to themselves. Prayer was powerful stuff. It would be pretty selfish to keep it themselves. So they were praying for those around them. Now, praying for others is called intercession. Um, And intercession very basically means um, coming to God on behalf of somebody else, Um, like uh, mediating, intervening as a friend of both. Now, the role of the intercessor uh, is a little bit foreign to us, um, but to the Jewish Christians, it was historically something they were very familiar with. In fact, we flip back to the Old Testament. The priest was the intercessor. He was the one that stood between the sinful people um, and a holy God. The God was so holy that they needed the priest to come with their prayers on behalf of the people to God, to make the sacrifices on behalf of the people to God. And then in the New Testament, we have Jesus, and Jesus completely embodies this role. He is the intercessor. He's actually called the great high priest in the New Testament because he does this role once and for all. He bridges the gap between a broken and sinful humanity and a holy God. And it's through Jesus that all of us can come to God. He's the great intercessor. But what's interesting is that this role of the intercessor doesn't stop with Jesus. In fact, Peter, who we saw stand up and give this amazing gospel message about Jesus, he goes on to start a number of different churches and he writes the believers some letters to encourage them about what their identity is in Jesus. And he says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And the early Christians knew this. They knew that their role was that they were a royal priesthood. They were to be people who, like Jesus, came to God on behalf of other people. They were to be the people that brought their friends to Jesus so they could come into relationship with God. They were to be the people who were, who were doing intercession, who were praying for other people to come to know him. And... Um, Acts is written by a guy called Luke, um, and Luke is the author of the book, Luke, handy, um, and also the author of Acts. And for um, Luke setting this book up, he doesn't consider it, you know, Luke was Jesus's ministry on um, earth, and Acts is the church's ministry. No, he really sets the book of Acts up as this is Jesus's ministry, part two, through the church. Um, And This doesn't just apply to these guys who were the first church. This applies to all of us. In the here and now, not just in Acts, that we are to be Jesus' ministry, part two, through the church. Um, We are to be his hands, his feet, his body. And what's incredible is that God, a God who made the universe, who could do anything, um, he could sort it all out himself, right? But yet he's designed creation so that we as humans can partner with what he is doing. That our decisions, our actions, our prayers have kingdom impact. The Bible's really clear that when we pray, stuff happens. And we're not saying that salvation um, is, you know, not from God or anything. We're really not saying that. Being saved is a gift from God. But there's something incredible about God wanting us to partner, to bring people along to Jesus, to be praying for them. And Philip comes up every now and again and says, right, guys, we've got this event and we'd love for you to be praying for your friends. Um, Now, this isn't some kind of we want more bums on seats. Um, This is because we genuinely believe that the gospel message we've got, the news about Jesus, is so great. We want to let other people know it. 
this is part of our role as Christians, to be intercessors, to be bringing people to Jesus. And to be praying for them to come to know Jesus. And this can feel kind of overwhelming, right? Like that stuff is actually on our shoulders to do. For things to happen, you know, it's on us. Um, And we could think, you know what, it's just for the spiritual heavyweights, those who have been Christians a really long time. But again, the passage is so clear. These guys who are outward focused, well, they've literally just come to know Jesus. And yet, they're praying for others. They're devoted to praying for others. Now, there's another key in this passage. They not only knew their role, but they also knew their resource. So say resource. That was slightly better than role. Well done. (laughs) Resource. They knew their role. They knew their resource. Um, They weren't a community that were trying to do things on their own strength. They were a community that were filled with God's Holy Spirit. They were equipped and empowered. And when they had God's Holy Spirit, God's presence in them, They had a heart for things that God had a heart for. They had eyes that saw people the way that Jesus saw people. They wanted to be praying for those around them because they knew, they really knew how much God wanted relationship with them. Um, I have been so so challenged doing this talk because I've kind of realized that basically I haven't been praying for my friends. I really haven't, like maybe occasionally when I remember, but my prayers have just been about me, (laughs) all the stuff going on in my life. And it kind of got me thinking, you know what, somewhere on the line, I think I stopped getting how good Jesus' message is for my life. I think I stopped getting that it's so good that I need to be sharing it with people around me. And I think somehow, somewhere along the line, I hardened my heart. I stopped having God's compassion for people in me. And this week I was like, you know what, let's be a church that we continually open ourselves up to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. That when his presence is in us, we are filled with God's compassion, that we have broken hearts for the things that breaks God's hearts. We have eyes to see people how Jesus sees them. And you could go away from here and you could go, yeah, great, so it's my role as intercessor to pray for people, to bring them to Jesus. I am resourced by the Holy Spirit. I can have God's compassion in me. And you can go, right, I'm going to start by doing 30 minutes of prayer a night. It's going to be great. I'm going to do 30 minutes of prayer for all of my friends. Um, that, that might start off okay. But if you're anything like me, by the end of the week, it's completely fizzled out. Because you did it to start with, and then you did a bit less the next day. And then by the third day, you'd forgotten. And then by the fifth day, you were pretty guilty that you'd forgotten the last two days. So you just quit it entirely. Um, but the really reassuring thing is, I'm, pretty, I'm going to guess that the guys in the passage... They probably had a similar deal as well. They were human too. They had life, getting busy. They had uh, problems. Um, But yet they still managed to remember to pray for others. And the third key in this passage is not only did they have their role, their resource, but they also knew their rhythm. Now, the passage talks about um, they were devoted to prayers. Um, But when we go back, they were devoted to prayer. But when we go back to the original Greek, it says they were devoted to the prayers, um, which really indicated that actually this was specific prayers at set times of the day. Now, this feels a little bit foreign to us, right? Because in today's day and age, we're not so great at rhythm. We tend to rely on feeling like doing something in order to do it. Um, Life is busy, we forget, that kind of thing. Um, But actually, the early church, 
I can imagine they were busy too. Um, they got really intentional about remembering to pray for others by building it into their day, by having a rhythm. Now, by having a rhythm, they um, got themselves devoted to praying for others, being busy with praying for others throughout their day. And for us too, having a rhythm of prayer can help us stay devoted and remembering to pray for those around us. Now, you might think, okay, Chloe, that's all well and good, but um, devoted to prayer, to be honest, it just sounds a bit boring. Um, and you might feel a little bit like this picture, okay? This is you when you're devoted to prayer. It's good intentions, but eventually you're just going to be falling asleep, hitting your forehead on the desk. Like, that's how it goes. Prayer is just, quite frankly, a bit boring, uh, and you haven't got time for it. Um, I'm going to suggest that if this is how you feel about prayer you're doing it wrong. <laughs> um, there's no two ways about it. Prayer shouldn't feel like that. Um, it should be empowering. It should be exciting. It should be something you go, yeah, I get to partnership with God on this. Um, but I'm going to suggest that that has happened to a lot of us because we think it is boring. We think we're bad at praying. Um, do you remember at school, some schools talked about different learning styles? Yeah. Um, and um, sometimes if you are finding something tricky to learn, they'd recommend that you try to learn it in a different way. Um, I really think that actually the same is true with our communication. Everyone likes to communicate really differently, whether you like face-to-face -face conversations, whether you're a big fan of the telephone, whether you just like WhatsApp or you like writing to people. And the same is true with prayer. Everyone likes to pray differently. And I think sometimes we're shoved into this mold of this is what prayer looks like. It doesn't work for all of us. So I'm going to suggest some ways that we can get a rhythm of praying for others into our life that might fit every one of you, hopefully. So let's give it a go. If you're sat here today and you're someone and you really like your schedule, uh, you like your to-do list, you like having regular reminders to do things, I'm going to suggest that you are a scheduler. Um, and a great rhythm for you to try might be to get your phone out, set an alarm for one o'clock. It's often lunch break. And at one o'clock, when it goes off, pray for one person for one minute. Not overwhelming, not really tough. It's one for one at one, okay? Really very easy. Um, if that's not you, um, but you're constantly on your phone anyway, and you love your apps, well, you're our techno lover. Um, and I'm going to really recommend there's some great prayer apps out there. There's one called Prayer Mate, um, which lets you sort of write down what you're praying for, linking with other people, remind you to pray. That could be a really good resource for you if you're already on your phone loads. Um, what about if, well, neither of those two are really you. You're not into your phone, your technology, that kind of thing. But you like to get out and about. You know, you're best when you're on the move. You are a mover. Um, I'm going to suggest for you guys, go on a prayer walk. Um, I mean, don't literally just walk up and down their gate. You might get a restraining order for this. Um, but if you know the person from uni, walk around campus. Pray for those people. Pray for your friends. If you know the person from work, take a quick five-minute lunch break to walk around the building. Pray for them. Use what you're seeing to inspire you to pray for them. Well, if that isn't you, you might be the next one. You might be a visualizer. You might be someone who you remember things when you see them. Um, so um, for you, how about putting something somewhere to remind you to pray for a particular person? Now, I've got these little gem things. They're not sweets, by the way. They're glass, so don't put it in your mouth. <laughs> um, we've got these gems. I put them in the little baskets there and there. Um, I am very, very visual as a person. I like to have a visual reminder for things. So I'm going to put this by my desk at work. It's pretty, you know... No one's going to look at it and go, what the heck is that? But for me, it's going to remind me to pray for my friend. Every time I see it, I'm going to go, yeah, God, I'm going to commit this person to you. Um, 
So that's if you are a visual person, have a go at that one. If that's not you, but actually you love to talk, you are your talker, um, it's absolutely great to get doing some out loud prayer. It might keep you awake, stop you falling asleep on your Bible. Um, pick a Bible verse each week to pray for your friend. There's so many great ones out there. Um, put their name into it, pray it over them. You could be like, for God so loved Zoe, that he gave his life for Zoe. And if Zoe believes in you, she will not perish, but have eternal life easy as that, really powerful stuff. Um, go on Google, type in verses to pray for your friends, you have a whole list, you have enough for a whole year. Um, give it a go, it's really fun if you're someone who likes to be talking. Um, if you're actually someone and you bounce off other people, that's the best thing for you. You love to be social with how you communicate. Um, you love it when you get together with people and you can be creative and you spur each other on then get together with like-minded people. Um, have a chat with your friends. Bring all those people that you want to be praying for together and inspire one another. Um, we have got the Metro Prayer Session coming up on December the 1st. Um, I think you guys, we, um, we go for a walk around the building, so it combine physical and social, if you're either one of those. Um, and it's a great opportunity to be together, to be praying about Metro, to also be praying for our friends as well and the events we've got coming up. So definitely give that a try. Right, so if you've chosen one of those, the next question is, well, Chloe, what do I pray? Um, just keep it simple. <laughs> Talk to God about what you want, which is that we want to see people come to know Jesus. Ask God to open your friend's eyes to see him at work, that they would open um, their ears to hear about Jesus' good news for them, that in their hearts they'd be open to knowing about God and his love. Pray that they would begin to question things, that they would have things in their life that make them think about spirituality. Pray that they would come into um, conversation and encounter with people who know Jesus, who can point them in the right direction. And pray for yourselves too. Pray in those sessions, in those times, that, um, that you um, would um, have a sense of who you need to be praying for, who God is moving in, um, that you would um, have opportunities to talk to them about Jesus. I think there's been some amazing stories at Metro when on Sundays we prayed for opportunities to talk to our friends and then during that week it's happened. <laughs> it, it's incredible what happens when we pray that kind of prayer. And then also pray that the Holy Spirit would fill us, that when we get opportunity to talk about Jesus, that what comes out of our mouths would, would make sense, <laughs> that it would be the Holy Spirit speaking right into the heart of that person. So ask... <laughs> When we've looked at this early church, it's a real challenge for us, right? That they not only were out to help people find Jesus, um, love one another, follow Jesus' teachings and serve their city, but they were devoted to it. It's what shaped them as people and a community. It would be so amazing if here at Metro, we were devoted to praying for other people. I genuinely believe that we would start seeing people added to our number daily. Um, it'd just be incredible to be known as the church that are devoted to praying for others. So it's a bit of a practical application to help us guys out this week. Um, get your phones out a sec. <laughs> You're allowed. It's fine. <laughs> um, and take a picture of this board. And what I'm going to ask you to do is, in a sec, the bands are going to come up, um, and I'm going to ask you, in the, within the first song, to, in your own heads and minds, commit to, to establishing one of these rhythms as you go into this week. So um, that might be that you um, get, set an alarm on your phone for one o'clock to pray for one person. Um, it might be that you download Prayer Mate. It might be that you put in your Metro calendar to come on our um, prayer walk. It might be that you um, go and pick up one of those little glass gems that are in the baskets there and there. 
It might be that you choose a Bible verse right now and start praying over that friend um, as the band come up. Um, now, today's big idea is this. There we go. We want to be a community that is devoted to praying for others, um, knowing our role as intercessors, our resource in the Holy Spirit, and adopting a rhythm of prayer to see those around us come to know Jesus. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray, the bands are going to play, and you guys are going to choose, okay, which one of these rhythms am I going to put in my life to help me remember to pray for others? Great, let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that you want everyone to come to know you. I thank you that the gospel message we have is amazing and life-changing. Father, we're sorry for when uh, we make it all about us, when we forget about how good it is. I ask that you would come and that you would change our hearts, you would soften our hearts for those around us. That right now, that you would uh, pop a person in our heads that you are working and that you want us to be praying for, you want us to be interceding for, that you want us to be bringing to Jesus. Father, you'd help us um, know our role as intercessors. You'd help us know our resource of the Holy Spirit. You'd come and infill us. And you'd help us establish rhythms of prayer in our life so that we can keep on praying, keep remembering to pray. Amen.